Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is Tim Sackett. He is the EVP at HRU Technical Resources, a 40 million IT and engineering contract staffing firm and RPO. Uh, prior to joining HRU, he was Director of Employment at Sparrow Health Systems, and before that, he was Regional HR and Staffing Director at Applebee's International and has served others in similar capacities. He split his career between recruiting and HR, working for both HR vendors and corporations. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, what is an RPO? <laughs> RPO is a fancy way of saying we'll come in and do your uh, recruiting for you. It's, it stands for recruiting process outsourcing. And the reality is, is you know, we run into some, um, for the most part, it's usually fast-growing firms or bigger firms that are adding a piece of business that they're not, maybe they don't have the in-house uh, resources to take on that recruiting. So we can come in, do all the recruiting for them, you know, kind of help them out. Um, and it's much cheaper than what you would spend on a per-hire basis to go traditional staffing. Now, you've been doing HR and recruiting, sort of splitting your time between the two for the last 20 years. How has social media changed the business of human resources? Oh, you know, it's it's changed completely. When I first started, in, you know, recruiting right out of college, I mean, it was your typical – I think probably at the time, traditional staffing firm, which was, you know, uh, file cabinets full of resumes that people had mailed to you. And um, we had just put in like an applicant tracking system and started using uh, the first job board of its time, which was the precursor to monster.com, which was OCC, Online Career Center, I think is what it stood for. And literally that was the first thing we've ever seen where you could actually find resumes online. Um and so, I mean, and at the aspect, that was what's anything that was social about it. There was really no social media. <laughs> um, from there, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, blew up with uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, Twitter and everything else that goes on now and all the other various sites that we use. And I still think it's t- I think I still think a lot of HR professionals struggle on the corporate side of how to use it, even though the reality is, is themselves and all their employees are are, are usually pretty, you know, active users of it themselves, personally. So then how has HR changed or how is HR changing to accommodate social media in the workplace? Because I mean, you guys have to create a quality work environment to retain people, right? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, one, it's one that every business kind of struggles with. Like, I mean, you have to kind of determine what it is, right? When I was at Applebee's, you know, you know, here's kind of a young, I mean, the average age of an Applebee's, you know, employee is 23, 24 years old. They're very invested into social media. It's how they communicate. It's how they kind of work. Um, but I can't have a server running around, you know, the restaurant on their phone, on their iPhone all day long. <laughs> you know, so you got to kind of have some, some things in place where you say, look, it's, it's great that you want to communicate and you want to do this and stuff like that, but, you know, hey, we need to find a way to keep that in the back of the house and you can't sit on your phone and be on Facebook for 15 minutes while, you know, some customer is all upset because you didn't refill their soda or whatever it might be. And every business has those same kind of, you know, individual kind of quirks that they have to kind of work through. 
um, when I first came back, you know, to run the company that I'm running now, um, we had a baby boomer um, owner, um, you know, and she, you know, she was in her mid sixties, and she was like, "Nope, um, you have to shut off everything." Right? They had no Facebook, no, they couldn't be online. They, it was she was going to run it like a traditional staffing firm, you know, from two decades ago, and. You know, I came in and just kind of started asking why. Like, why, well, why would you do this? And, and really no one took the time to show her, here's what you can find. And she didn't know the capabilities of, of what you could. And, you know, so I think HR is going to have, you know, having to manage those individual business aspects and determine, do we have value of using this? You know, besides the value of saying, well, if we don't let our employees use it, then they're just going to go work for some company that will. I, I can't think. You, I don't think you manage policy that way. I think you have to be kind of be a little bit more uh, insightful about what you do with your business and what's right for your business because it's you know it's not a a right to to stay on Facebook during the day if that's not going to help your business. Now, if there's a business reason that it helps, then you know go ahead and do it. To me, I've always been. Let's not write giant policies about what not to do. Let's just manage the individuals that that can't control themselves and work into their own, you know, their own job. And I always try to talk to their hiring managers about that, right? Their supervisor, because they'll sit there and go, "We need to shut off Facebook." I'm like, "Well, why?" And it's like, "Well, all my employees are on Facebook all day long and they're not getting their work done." And so then you start to dig into it in the metrics, right? And you go, "Well, really." you have two people on Facebook and you have a lot of other people complaining that they're on Facebook all the time. So how about you manage those two individuals to get off Facebook? And if, and if they can't and that's what they want to do all day, then let's give them that choice and let's have them you know, leave the company and they can go home and work on Facebook all day long for themselves. And people, they don't tend to think that way. They tend to think of, no, we're going to create these big giant policies that's going to stop everyone from doing everything when the reality is, is Usually everyone doesn't have an issue. It's usually a very, very small number of people have the issue. So um, when you look at the operational challenges that social media presents in the workplace, first, tell me what, what, you, what are the top three operational? I mean, I guess you've already defined one of them, potential productivity drain. What are some of the other op- operational challenges that come to mind when you think about social media in the workplace? I think it, um, it, as an organization, you really have to try to help your employees understand your brand in that environment, right? So, because you want to be able to share the same message and have that messaging be consistent. And if you just kind of allow carte blanche and everyone just goes out and does their own thing, you're at the whim now of what your employees think your brand message is. So you either you either have to be very clear with them and, and understanding what that is. Or, you know, what's probably is better is to say, hey, here's, here's some guidelines, you know, to what we, what we want and what we appreciate and what we share and, you know, what we'll, you know, not what we allow necessarily, but, you know, because people are going to, you know, be transparent enough to understand if it's, if you're, if you're forcing them to share a message that they don't really believe in. But if you say, hey, here's what, you know, we're really comfortable with, and if you share these things about us, and, you know, then also, you know, there's some things that you you just can't share, right? We have some proprietary stuff that if you try to go out and share this, this is going to be a job, this is a career ender with with us. So let's, let's make sure we're aware of what those things are so that we, you know, we can kind of everyone, you know, kind of keep on the same page. To me, that's a major challenge. I think that's a lot of companies face with social media. Um because you know, if you allow open access to everything, 
you're going to, there's going to be one employee that's going to decide to share everything. <laughs> and there might be some things you don't want to share. And so you got to, you got to really kind of understand what those are and, and what it should be and help your employees understand that. When you think about um, giving employees guidelines for what they can and can't share, yeah. um, if you gave them some sort of rationale, like a decision tree or some practical tool to figure out what could be said in public and what needed to be kept you know, closer to the vest, if they could make that determination and you could give them some overview of the, the types of uh, principles that you wanted your brand to represent, does it still make sense to sort of tell them what they should say, or are you better off educating them on what can and can't be said, what needs to be kept off the record, and then just, you know, giving them the training and the space to use social media so long as they can do so without interfering with their job performance? Yeah, you know, I think really good marketing departments um, deliver – nuggets, social media and cap, like kind of wrapped, pre-wrapped nuggets of information that's easy for their employees to share. Because people like to share. If you have a good work environment and you love your job and you love your company and your company is doing well and, you know, you're just, you know, most, most people are, are, people, are company people, right? They, they're, they're appreciative of the job they have and they like the people they work with and they want to say good things about where they work. And, you know, great marketing departments will actually deliver those nuggets to their employees to, that they can share easily, right? Right, one click, right? Hey, share to Facebook, share to Twitter, share to LinkedIn. And, you know, and, and it's the message that the company wants, and employees are more than happy to do that. You know, now are you, you might have some disgruntled that might want to do it or might not. Um, I agree with you, though. I don't, I don't think um, you necessarily want to have like, you know, just a big long list of things you can say or can't say. And, you know, for me within my own environment, you know, we laid it out, you know, to our employees to say, Hey, if, if you're willing to see what you write on the front page of USA Today and have your mom know that you put it there, (laughs) then that's probably okay. Unless your mom has really low morals and values, then think about my mom and let's go from that standpoint. But it, you know, it's, some of that's having that, you know, that kind of being able to have that kind of conversation with, you know, with who you have um, working for you. But, um, you know, I do think it's, you know, you, you have to have, you know, you have to treat your employees like they're adults. Um, and, again, manage to the exception and know that you, you just can't control. I mean, if, as soon as a company tries to control social media, it blows up on them. And we see those examples all the time. Um, you know, they, those, those hit the big network. So, um, you know, that kind of is what it is. Let's talk for a minute about social media compliance in the workplace. Increasingly, regulations from agencies such as the National Labor Relations Board, Federal Trade Commission, and the Securities and Exchange Commission are impacting how employers govern social media usage in the workplace. Mm -hmm. What are some of the options for employers who want to educate large employee populations on social media literacy and compliance? You know, it's really difficult because, you know, it doesn't really affect, um, I mean, it affects your entire employee population, but 99% of them really on a day-to-day basis won't, won't be affected by a lot of those regulations and a lot of those things. So it's, a, it's always a challenge for HR, not just with social media, but with a lot of, the, you know, the different regulations that we face within the HR community. Um, you know, and how, how do you get that out? And I, and I always try to come across with, 
you know, especially, you know, you really have to kind of, you know, teach your leaders first, um, educate them, and then from there they can kind of manage their groups and in, 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 in hoping that they will manage their groups the appropriate way. You, you can never mitigate 100% risk. And in HR, if you try to, you're, you're going to have a really unsuccessful career <laughs> because you'll never mitigate 100% of risk. I think what you have to do is design policies and practices um, where you're advising um, what that risk is to your employees, to your leadership, understanding that what you're going to do and the decisions you're going to make are going to have impact, and here's where those impacts might hit. And, you know, But if you're doing the right thing for the business, um, usually – you're, you're going to be following through. Most regulations and most stipulations that are set up by, especially by the government, um, are, to, are to counteract things that companies are doing that either are, are probably pretty bad, right? They're, they're either illegal or they're immoral or they're unethical. Um, and so as long as you're not doing those kinds of things, for the most part, you're going to be able to mitigate the risk to the company in, at a pretty high level. Um, as soon as you go out there and try to say, hey, Here's how we're going to advise you on a social media, you know, on, on what you can do to 100% of our employees. You're going to fail because you got employees leaving, they're coming. You got people that won't pay attention. You got people that get it. You got people that don't get it. You know, and and so as soon as you roll out something, it's going to be dead in the water, and, and you're just going to be struggling with, uh, you know, frustration of why we can't get compliance. So again, I always try to go, you know, bigger picture of. You know, let's manage um, the behaviors and, you know, from there hoping, you know, I wouldn't say hoping, but knowing that most of that's going to mitigate, the, you know, much of the risk that we face on the, on the regulation standpoint. We're talking to Tim Sackett, EVP at HRU Technical Resources, and when we return, we're going to talk about the role of corporate social media policy in employee recruitment and retention. Stay with us. So we're at a point where 91% of adults use social media. of employers think there's a benefit to using social media at work. Half of all companies globally have had to discipline an employee for the misuse of social media at work, and still less than a third provide any sort of training at all. If you're ready to train the enterprise, Comply Socially has 80 hours of online social media training courseware that's available for license. It is the most cost-effective way to train a large employee population, and you can do it anytime, anywhere, on any device. If you're interested in becoming a reseller, hop on over to complysocially.com, visit the reseller link on the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. We'd love to talk to you. Or if you're at a company where you're in charge of social media and you'd like to get the rest of the folks retweeting, liking, and commenting on your stuff, we have a solution for you to scale engagement in the workplace and manage risk at complysocially.com. Check us out. So, Tim, let's talk for a minute about the role that a social media policy plays in employee recruitment and retention. What is the role of perceived fairness with respect to corporate social media policy when it comes to attracting the best and the brightest? I mean, could, could a draconian social media policy discourage those top candidates from coming on board? Well, it definitely depends on, on what, your, what your company is, right? Um, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily a draconian policy is going to, you know, pursue, not get people to come and be a part of your company in terms of the best and the brightest. Um, 
necessarily. Um, I think it's just something that it's, it's politically believed that that's, that's the case, right? So in the HR community, um, it's been kind of, uh, it's an overwhelming kind of sense that if you don't have a wide open social media policy, the best graduates coming out of school won't want to work for you because you're going to be looked at like, you know, your old fuddy-duddies. But, but it's not really the case. It's just something that we try to do because as HR men and women, we want to sit in our office and, and play on Facebook all day. And the only way we do that is if we have these great policies that lets everybody do it. Um, somewhat in jest, I say that, but it's also somewhat self-serving in the HR community to have those kind of policies, thinking that the only reason we have these is because if we don't, great talent won't come to see us. Great talent's going to come to see you if you make a great product, you have great leadership, and you have vision and foresight. And you might have an entire no, you can't use social media completely, you know, policy in place. And if and if you um, you lead the market, you know, in a product, and you lead the market in leadership, and you lead the market in your paying benefits, people could care less if I can go out and update, you know, social, you know, my social media accounts, or I can communicate on my social media accounts. If you tell me that I can't. Um, I think what happens is it's easy for us to come up with an excuse as HR pros to bad leadership, bad companies, bad products to say, hey, if you want us to go out and attract good talent, then we have to have some of these other things, right? We have to we have to open up the floodgates a little bit on social media so you know people think that we're updated and we're modern. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, great talent there and they go, "Oh my gosh, you guys are a bad company." So it, it might work to get them in the door, but you're never going to keep them just because you have an open social media policy. You still have to have all the other, I would say, you know, blocking and tackling taken care of, you know, before that becomes a really important issue. Now, if you're really good and your main competitor is really good and they're allowing it and you're not, okay, now now you have an apples-to-apples comparison and someone might say, you know what, they just seem like they're a little forward-thinking, I'm going to go that way. Um, but again, it, it, we put this in a, in a kind of a weird situation to say that it's either going to have impact or it won't because there's so many other factors at play. Let's talk for a minute about internal employee communications because, you know, there was a time when the internal inter-office memo was how management communicated with labor, and obviously those days are long gone. How has HR changed employee communications? Gosh, you know, Eric, I don't think they've—I don't think we've really changed as much as people think, and I don't think social media has changed the way we communicate with our employees as much as you think. I think what our employees now are more aware of um, our branding message and, and marketing. You know, two decades ago, you know, we could have thought. You know that every you know that our marketing department knew what that was, and it was important that our marketing department make sure our our customers and our clients knew what that message was. But we weren't really concerned about our employees. I think social media has opened up this this window for marketing to say, you know what, our our employees now are brand advocates, and they're going to go out and they're going to share this, and it's going to become viral. And so, why haven't we been using them to kind of share this? Um, not from a but from an employee communication standpoint. I, I don't know if if we really have changed a lot, that much. I mean, if you go to many big companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, or you go to even small companies, ABC Manufacturing down the street that has 150 people and they've been in business for 50 years, the communication hasn't changed a ton. Um, you still send out memos, but you know maybe it's you know through email and people get it on their cell phone versus just in their email inbox. 
um, or you don't post it into you know that memo on the on the you know the uh, lunchroom wall so everybody can see it that way because you didn't have email. Um, there's still a lot of communication that takes place that way. Now, do you have some forward thinking or just companies that are you know in Silicon Valley that are using you know some of those modern tools of technology to have um, back and forth conversations and communication versus just one way top down? Yeah, there there definitely are. Um, but but it's not as widespread as you would think. It's, it's still something that I still think it's the biggest challenge that most HR shops face, that most companies face, is how do you really dynamically communicate with your employees up and down? We've gotten really good at communicating down to our employees, but we still are do a really crappy job of getting them to communicate up to us um, in, in a in a real time manner, right? Instead of the just the, you know the biannual employee surveys and stuff like that that no one really reacts to, it's how do you get that upward kind of um, open environment, that transparency where employees feel like, hey, I can go and talk to the CEO, I can go and talk to my boss, I can go and talk to the marketing department and tell them what I'm thinking, and we have real conversation about it. That still, for the most part, doesn't take place. So, you know, just to characterize what, what I'm hearing from you is um, a very sobering account <laughs> of the impact of social media on HR. So with that in mind, what would you say is the single or maybe the top two largest drivers impacting HR to socialize um, how it does business and to integrate social media into how it does business. What is driving the change that is occurring? Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest one by far is talent attraction. And I would say not in terms of a policy that says, oh, I want to come work for that company because of, they have a social media policy. It's, it's truly that you have pools of talent that you can find that most companies never had um, had the ability to go and find. When there's a billion people on Facebook, I can find pretty much anyone in any city, in any company that has their employees on Facebook. And if I'm a good enough recruiter, I can network and I can have some conversations and I can, you know, all of a sudden now I have available to me talent levels that I've, I've never had to me before where I could post ads online or I could put an ad in, in a newspaper, I could put billboards up, I could have an entire strategy and still not reach people that were passive candidates that were happy in their job and really had no idea that I, that I was really attracted to them and I wanted them, that we, you have to come work for us and here's why. And now, you know, it's much more open. The labor market, you know, from a professional standpoint is much more open. I still think you know, and again, I, would, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll even kind of correct myself. I would say professional standpoint, but even the blue collar, because um, whereas LinkedIn is great for some professional networking um, to get candidates, I don't think LinkedIn is a professional networking site. They're just job board 2.0. But I think Facebook has everybody, right? It has your grandma. It has your Uncle Ted. It has your cousin Billy, who is a you know uh, electrician. It has the plumber down the street. It has IT professionals, it has scientists, it has doctors. There's nobody you can't touch within that realm. Um, you know, and I think, the, you know, so that becomes huge. The, the ability to go and fish in ponds for talent that you never had, and now it's kind of wide open if you know how to use it. And I think that's the one difficult piece um, is that while we're all users of social media, many of us, even our grandparents, um, might be so, most social media users, 
to take that one step and say, now how do I go and recruit somebody because people are very um, protective, right? This is my personal world. I don't want my work world to, to infringe on my personal world, so how do I go in and do that? Um, it is an industry in itself right now in, in terms of how do we, how do we teach uh, uh, talent acquisition shops and stuff like that to go ahead and do that. Can social media elevate the risk of equal employment opportunity charges and if so, how? Well, yeah, I think you have to look at the core user of, uh, of some of the social media. You know, definitely, you know, it's, it's easier for, um, if you take a, just to take a look at the demographic access to Wi-Fi, to computers, to tablets, to smartphones, you know, you're, you're definitely segmenting um, a market. I mean, you still have an inner city low-income market that doesn't have the same access. So if you put all of your eggs into the social media basket to recruit, you definitely have potential of segmenting the market of candidates away from your company. Um, you know, now, is it on purpose? No. People might not necessarily think it's on purpose, but that doesn't make it right or it doesn't make it wrong or right. It still makes it wrong if you're not going out there and, and, and trying to pull from, you know, a very wide market. I, I don't think it's a big of issue, though, is what the government tries to make it out as. Because when I go and I meet with HR professionals and recruiting professionals, the reality is, is as, as organizations, um, you're, they're beginning to learn that it's not about the color of faces that we have. It, it, it's a really more about this diversity of thought and this inclusive kind of uh, thought that we have. At the same time, most organizations I meet with go out and say, look, we want to make sure we are diverse from a mix of not only thought but also faces. And so they're going out and actually finding ways to try to search to make sure they bring in those pools of candidates that, that might be missed um, on social media or and some, uh, some other aspects, right? If we go and all you do is, you know, place ads in the paper, you're going to miss, you know, a segment of population there as well. Um, or if you only advertise on certain TV stations or whatever it might be. So I think, you know, there's more of an, uh, you know, from an HR community standpoint, more of an uh, acknowledgement of, hey, we want to be diverse. It's it's better for our business to be diverse. It's better for our client and our customer base to be diverse. So we need to go out there and make sure that we're attracting those groups that are underrepresented in our in our workforce right now. And I see more of that happening than the opposite. So, again, is there, is there a risk? There always is. There's always going to be bad companies out there with bad people that do the wrong thing. But I think those are the exception, not the rule. If I uh, said to you, Tim, um, put together a social media training for HR people, what would you cover in that training? You know, the funny thing is I've done a lot of social media training with HR people. And when you get in a room of 500 HR people, you're still going to have 450 of them that still don't have a Twitter account. And so they want to know about the Twitters <laughs> and what is this Twitter and how do you work Twitter and how do we get signed up for Twitter and how do we get the picture. It's still very basic social media 101. Um, then you move on to LinkedIn, right? Oh, gosh, I have a LinkedIn account, but gosh, you know what? My profile is really terrible. So let's, t let's talk to them about how, they, how do you get a real profile that's going to attract candidates and going to show you as a networker. And then you move on to Facebook. 
and how do we how do you integrate this professional and personal life of Facebook and and have one um, what I would call one person right I, I'm not two people in life I'm not I'm no different professionally than I am personally I'm not trying to live two lives so how do you bring that together from a social media standpoint and at the end of the day of the 500 people that are there you're going to catch 499 of them that are going to feel like that was really good. Like I, you just did three things that, and it really taught me something. And then you're going to have one who's a super user that goes, that was, that's, that's basic. That's 101. And you're going to say, yeah, it is. <laughs> because that's, that's the reality of where the level is still today. Most people are still at a real basic user level of social media. Um, you know, and then when you start to move on beyond that, and now you have, you know, social media, HR training, you know, 201. Now you're getting into, you know, the messaging and um, the content building and how do you really generate um, a, a, a community um, within social media that's going to impact your business. And I think that's higher level. And But, again, 99%, 95% of the people just aren't there yet in HR. Tim Sackett, EVP at HRU Technical Resources. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.